Hey, thanks for joining us. You're about to hear a message that was recorded live at Redemption Church in Crossville, Tennessee. We're excited about all the amazing things God is doing here on the plateau. So for more information, visit our website, CrossvilleRedemptionChurch.com. Man, if I didn't know better, I'd think you guys love the Lord. Awesome. You know, I was thinking about it, and I'll be honest with you, we, we really, really missed being here last week. I'm, I miss being here. That's just what God's doing. I, that's honest to goodness truth. And, and I was just thinking, and I could just walk in here, and I could feel the buzz of the presence of the Lord. I could feel it. And, and you guys are just bringing it in. You're, you're just bringing it in by the truckloads. And uh, <laughs> I mean, my mind, most of you don't really want to know how my mind really works. Uh, but I was standing back there thinking, man, I was watching Hannah up here dancing. And I want to make one thing really clear is that we want everyone here to have the freedom to worship the Lord. Now, if you worship crazy, we may ask you to go to the back so you don't hurt yourself or somebody else, right? That's okay. But you go to the back or you worship. We want freedom to worship here. We, we don't want to operate in the spirit of Michael that watched David dance semi-naked <laughs> down the streets. You know, there was, there, was, there was no reservation with him. There was no fear or timidity. And so as we press in in our worship, guys, I want to encourage you to be free. But if you get real, real free, if somebody asks you to go to the back, don't, don't get offended by that. Go to the back and be free. Amen? Is that cool? But anyway, I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, in my life, I've had occasion, I mean, I've had occasion to see a few people that were drunk. How many of you guys have ever seen anybody who was drunk? And they acted like a drunk person, didn't they? And you probably didn't even really hold that against them. You just laughed at them and, and whatever. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because you thought, well, they're drunk. Well, listen, don't hold it against us if we love the Lord. Amen. Don't hold it against someone who passionately worships. Amen. If that's not your style, that's okay. Listen, if you don't want to dance, you don't have to dance. But if you want to dance, guess what? You're free. Amen? And so let's, let's just be careful. Yeah, amen, that's right. <clears throat> so so just, just let it be, it's okay. If it gets crazy, crazy, we'll, we'll take care of it. We'll build a, little, we'll put, build a little ring up here or something, you know? It's like if you're gonna get real crazy, you gotta go to the ring, right? <laughs> All right, Sandy's, all, we've already got a, a moderator here for the ring, yeah. Uh, leader, whatever. I'm, she may be the instigator, might be the better word. Hey, I love radical people. I, don't, I, I love people who aren't afraid to, to live their faith, who aren't afraid to let love and... You want to dismiss the toddlers? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Thank you. We're going to dismiss the toddlers. James, you have to stay in here. <laughs> uh, that's like three to five-ish. Right? Isn't that what we said, three to five-ish? I don't know. I mean, if that's what the sign says. <laughs> okay, we'll go with the sign. If it's written, then it must be true. Three to five-ish. If they're a little older than five, if they're, you know, somewhere in between the five and six range and, and you want them to go out. But <clears throat> let me also encourage you, man. I, I haven't been up here in two weeks. And you guys know what that means. Uh, uh, 
We need to, we, we need to look, we need, and I, I totally understand your kids going to the toddler room, and so don't read something into this that's not there. But as parents, we have to constantly be looking for opportunities to speak into our kids' lives, to teach them, to bring them into what we do and let them see us do it. That's how they learn. Okay, so, you know, there's a little trade-off there. You might be a little bit disruptive, but your kid might need to watch you worship the Lord. Amen. They might need to see you engaging the presence of the Lord. Amen. All right, uh, let's jump into the Word this morning. Man, I am so excited to share this Word with you. I'm always excited to share the Word, right? But we've been talking, you know, we've been talking about, um, we've been talking about Jesus. We talked about His Lordship. He's the way, the truth, and the life. We talked about Him as the Good Shepherd. And how many of you guys remember we talked about several weeks ago that you can't have his life without his lordship. And we talked about, we brought in the, the cross. And Jesus said, if you will, anyone who would come after me, he has to take up his cross. You guys remember kind of just a real quick. And so, and then for those of you who've been coming in on, coming on Wednesday night, listen, God has called Redemption Church to believe for the extravagant. God has called us to believe for the extravagant, extravagant healing, extravagant, uh, extravagant blessings, natural things in the natural. God has called us to believe him for the, for the extravagant, for the crazy. That's what he's called us to do. And so as, as we were, as I was, as kind of this week, just meditating and thinking and and just talking to the Lord. I, I don't know what that looks like, but it happens. Uh, and so I was just talking to the Lord and, and all of a sudden God reminded me of a very important foundation. And I want to tell you that as we press on in, as we press into the presence of the Lord and believing Him for extravagant, believing Him. How many of you guys have a need in your life right now? Raise your hand. Keep your hand up, because I'm fixing to talk to you. All that you have your hand up. What I want you to know this morning is, is that God wants to meet that need extravagantly. Amen. The, the cross, listen, the cross wasn't a minimum down payment. It wasn't a minimum down payment. The cross was, it was not a minimum down payment, but it was a paid in full extravagantly above and beyond anything that we could ever ask or think. And as we press into that, as, as, as I sit here and I say that it is my heart and my desire that we see the people sitting in this room, the people coming in here, we see them saved, healed, delivered, set free, whole, 100% of the time. Yeah, that's extravagant. There's a foundation that has to be laid. Or else that can become, that can be destructive in the long term. And I want to tell you a little bit about that this morning. Um, we have to, in, in the foundation of our faith, has to be the sovereignty of God. And while every time, 
every situation, and I don't care if it's 20 years in praying for something, when I come to it, I'm going to believe God for healing. My mom, we've been praying for healing for my mom. Where is my mom? There she is. She hides. I mean, she sits behind tall people and then you can't see her. She does it on purpose, Craig. We've been believing God for healing for my mom. She has severe rheumatoid arthritis. And I want you to know that from someone who believes and knows that God can heal, it's brutal to watch your mom limp and hobble around and not be able to get up sometimes. But I want you to also know that every time we pray for her, I believe God's going to heal her. We've been praying for years. But underlying all of that, that expectation, that 100% expectation, there has to be there has to be a foundation of the sovereignty of God. And there's no one in here, well, I won't say that. I won't, I won't put you in a box. Maybe there is someone in here who wants to see the extravagant of God any more than I do. Who believes that God is an extravagant God. That He is extravagant today and everything He does is just, it's beyond measure. Right? And I believe that's what he's calling us to walk in. But I want to tell you that the reason I believe that isn't because every prayer that I've ever had was answered. I've lost a lot of big battles. A lot of big battles. Things that I have um, contended for. Most of you don't know that I have a son buried right up the road. He would be 21 this year. There are things that I have, that I have, that I have contended for that in the end didn't turn out the way that I wanted them to. I have a failed marriage. I'm honest with you. I mean, I, listen, I'm not, I live in a glass house. I don't care. You either love me or you don't. But all I want you to see is that there's a very real side to faith. You know, I contended for my marriage. I, listen, I know if you struggle with depression, I know what it's like to lay in the bed and think that it would be much easier to die than to get up and live. I know what that feels like. I want to tell you that today, without hesitation, without thought of any of that, I can throw my hands up in the air and I can look at him and say, you're good. You're good. Amen. Don't, don't get too down here, okay? This is the deal. I'm going to read. Uh, this morning, I'm going to read. We're going to try to. I'm going to try to read out a tramp for the Lord. We're going to put it. We're going to try to put it up here on the screen. But what I want you to know is, is that in God's sovereignty, sometimes His plan doesn't look like our plan, and that doesn't change the fact that He's still extravagant. It doesn't change the fact that we are growing into a place of 100 percent. That's what I'm believing for. Listen, I can look back in my past and see a reason, a lot of reasons why not to believe for it. But His Word demands it. 
So this morning we're going to read, I'm going to, we're going to start reading out of uh, Tramp for the Lord. And I'm going to start in the introduction and we're going to read the first chapter. It's going to uh, be up there, <laughs> sort of. Uh, if, you hit, uh, if you hit Command Plus, it will enlarge that, Chris. I think. Command plus. Or go to view and just click enlarge. Oh, there it is. Say, hey, look at that. It's working. Can you guys read that or do we need to make it bigger again? Yeah? Okay. So if you click on the middle, in the middle of the screen, Chris, it'll, or if you two fingers swipe to the, it'll change the page. So we're going to start where it says God has plans, not problems for our life. And it's a paragraph. Um, you guys are just going to have to bar but stay with me, okay? This, you're going to, this is going to be good. Corey Tim Boom's a way better preacher than I am. We're fixing to let her preach. Uh, keep going. One more page. One more page. Hey, James, can you go up there and help and swipe that? It's a little, you, it's, you have to two-finger swipe it. We'll get it. It's all this good Apple product. I want you guys to be able to follow along with me because you need to, this, there's things here that we need to get. On that magic pad, just two-finger swipe. To the left. No? Really? It was working fine earlier. Ah, there it goes. Nope. Okay, that's, that's changing screens. We just need to change the page. Go to the middle. Take the mouse. <laughs> take the mouse and go to the middle of the page on the right-hand side and click. Well, it only goes up to four. Yeah, now go to the middle of the page with the cursor and click right there. That'll change the page on uh, go to the middle. No, on the side middle side. Yep, keep going. Keep going. Right, 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 right. Click, click. Click. No. Man, I tried so hard. Okay, listen, I can't sit here forever. We've got to read this, okay? So you're going to have to follow along. Maybe they'll get it to working up there. It's, it, the next page will start it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start in the introduction, and so, so try to follow with me. God has plans not problems for our lives. Before she died in the concentration camp in Ravensbrück, my sister Betsy said to me, Corey, your whole life has been a training for the work you are doing here in prison and for the work you will do afterward. The life of a Christian is an, is an education for higher service. No athlete complains when the training is hard. He thinks of the game or the race. As the Apostle Paul wrote, and this is the Phillips translation of uh, Romans 8. In my opinion, whatever we may have to go through now is less than nothing compared to the magnificent future God has planned for us. The whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful side of the sons of God coming into their own. Not because it chooses to be blind, but because in God's purpose it has been so limited. Yet it has been given hope. And the hope is that in the end, the whole 
of created life will be rescued from the tyranny of change and decay and have its share in that magnificent liberty which can only belong to the children of God. And now we're going, she's going back to writing. This is her. Looking back across the years of my life, I can see the working of a divine pattern which is the way of God with His children. When I was in prison, when I was in a prison camp in Holland during the war, I often prayed, Lord, never let the enemy put me in a German concentration camp. God answered no to that prayer. Yet, in the German camp, with all its horror, I found many prisoners who had never heard of Jesus Christ. If God had not used my sister Betsy and me to bring them to Him, they would have never heard of Him. Many died or were killed, but many died with the name of Jesus on their lips. They were, listen, they were well worth all our suffering. Faith is like radar, which sees through the fog, the reality of things at a distance that the human eye cannot see. I want to read that again. Faith is like radar, which sees through the fog, the reality of things at a distance that the human eye cannot see. And then she includes this poem. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I do not choose the colors. He worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride. Forget he sees the upper, and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and shuttles cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the skillful weaver's hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. Although the threads of my life have often seemed knotted, I know by faith that on the other side of the embroidery there is a crown. As I have walked the world, a tramp for the Lord, I have learned a few lessons in God's great classroom. Even as I share these things with those of, with those of you who read this book, I pray the Holy Spirit will reveal something of the divine pattern in God's plan for you also. Now that's, I'm going to jump into, we're just going to go to chapter 1. Did we get it? No? Not going to work? I'm on chapter 1. I'm going to start on chapter 1. If you go up to the, go up to the AirPlay and select uh, BenQ, Mirror, built-in, no, not separate, yeah, that one. If that'll work. Ah! Hey, it's working. Okay, so now you guys, I'm in chapter one. Uh, keep going. Keep swapping right. You're still, you're in the introduction. Perfect. <clears throat> chapter one. A strange place to hope. Rank upon rank we stood that hot September morning in 1944. More than a thousand women lining the railroad siding. One unspoken thought among us. Not Germany. Beside me, my sister Betsy swayed. I was 52, Betsy 59. These seven months in prison and concentration camp, since we had been caught concealing Jews in our home, had been harder on her. But prisoners, though we were, at least till now we had remained in Holland. And now with, when liberation must come any day, where were they taking us? Behind us, guards were shouting, prodding us with their guns. Instinctively, my hand went to the string about my neck. From it hanging down, 
my back between my shoulder blades was the small cloth bag that held our Bible. That forbidden book which had not only sustained Betsy and me throughout these months, but given us strength to share with our fellow prisoners. So far we had kept it hidden, but if we should go to Germany, we had heard tales of the prison inspections there. A long line of empty boxcars was rolling slowly past. Now they clanged to a halt and a gaping freight door loomed in front of us. I helped Betsy over the steep side. The dark, dark boxcar grew quickly crowded. We were pressed against the wall and it was a small European freight car. Thirty or forty people jammed it. And still the guards drove women in, pushing, jabbing with their guns. It was only when 80 women were packed inside that the heavy door slid shut and we, were, we heard the iron bolts driven into place outside. Women were sobbing and many fainted, although in the tightly wedged crowd they remained upright. The sun beat down on the motionless train. The temperature in the packed car rose. It was hours before the train gave a sudden lurch and began to move. Almost at once it stopped again, then again crawled forward. The rest of that day and all night long, it was, it was the same, stopping, starting, slamming, jerking. Once through a slit in the side of the car, I saw trainmen carrying a length of twisted rail. Maybe the tracks ahead were destroyed. Maybe we would still be in Holland when the liberation came. But at dawn, we rolled through the Dutch border town of Emmerich. We were in Germany. For two more incredible days and two more nights, we were carried deeper and deeper into the land of our fears. Worse than the crush of bodies and the filth was the thirst. Two or three times when the train was stopped, the door was slid open a few inches and a pail of water passed in. But we had become animals, incapable of plan. Those near the door got it all. At last, on the morning of the third day, the door was hauled open its full width. Only a handful of very young soldiers was there to order us out and march us off. No more were needed. We could scarcely walk, let alone resist. From the crest of a small hill we saw it, the end of our journey, a vast gray barrack city surrounded by double concrete walls, Ravensbrook. Like a whispered curse, the word passed back through the line. This was the notorious women's death camp itself, the very symbol to Dutch hearts of all that was evil. As we stumbled down the hill, I felt the little Bible bumping on my back. As long as we had that, I thought, we could face even hell itself. But how could we conceal it through the inspection I knew lay ahead? It was the middle of the night when Betsy and I reached the processing barracks. There under the harsh ceiling lights we saw a dismaying sight. As each woman reached the head of the line, she had to strip off every scrap of clothes, throw them all onto a pile guarded by soldiers, and walk naked past the scrutiny of a dozen guards into the shower room. Coming out of the shower room, she wore only a thin regulation prison dress and a pair of shoes. Her Bible. How could we take it past so many watchful eyes? Oh, Betsy, I began, and then stopped at the sight of her pain-whitened face. As a guard strode by, I begged him in German to show us the toilets. He jerked his head in the direction of the shower room. Use the drain holes, he snapped. 
Timidly, Betsy and I stepped out of line and walked forward to the huge room with its row on row of overhead spigots. It was empty, waiting for the next batch of 50 naked and shivering women. A few minutes later, we would return here stripped of everything we possessed, and then we saw them stacked in a corner, a pile of old wooden benches crawling with cockroaches, but to us the furniture of heaven itself. In an instant, I had slipped the little bag over my head and along with my woolen underwear had stuffed it behind the benches. And, it was, and so it was that when we were herded into that room ten minutes later, we were not poor, but rich. Rich in the care of Him who was God, even of Ravensbrook. Of course, when I put on the flimsy prison dress, the Bible bulged beneath it. But that was His business, not mine. At the exit, guards were feeling every prisoner, front, back, and sides. I prayed, O oh Lord, send Your angels to surround us. But then I remembered that angels are spirits, and you can see through them. What I needed was an angel to shield me so the guards could not see me. Lord, I prayed, make your angels untransparent. <laughs> How unorthodox you can pray when you are in great need. But God did not mind. He did it. The woman ahead of me was searched. Behind me, Betsy was searched. They did not touch or even look at me. It was though I was blocked out of their sight. Outside the building was a second ordeal, another line of guards examining each prisoner again. I slowed down as I reached them, but the, cav the captain shoved me roughly by the shoulder. Move along, you're holding up the line. So Betsy and I came to our barracks. I want you guys to pay so close attention to this next two small little paragraphs. So Betsy and I came to our barracks at Ravensbrook. Before Okay, let's, let's go. So Betsy, so Betsy and I came to our barracks at Ravensbrook. Before long, we were holding clandestine Bible study groups for an ever-growing group of believers. And Barracks 28 became known throughout the camp as the crazy place where they hope. Yet hoped. In spite of all that human madness could do, we had learned that a stronger power had the final word even here. Guys, that is one of the most awesome stories of God's sovereignty that we could ever read. That how in the midst of, of not answering one prayer, God moved extravagantly to equip them with everything that they needed. You see, most of us would have been trapped in defeat when we went to Ravensbrook. Rather than, rather than embracing it and saying, okay, God, what do you want to do here? And I want to tell you that when I read that, I thought, Redemption Church is going to be that crazy place where they hope. Redemption Church is going to be that crazy place. I love that. I love the way she said it. Barracks 28 become known as that crazy place where they hope. Even though it was dark, and there was death every day. 
If you guys haven't read this book, you need to read it. If you have read it, you need to read it again. It's awesome. I, I bumped it up to my number two book. I, it's next to the Bible. I love that. Hope is not about your circumstance. Hope is not about, listen, hope is not about the failure or success of prayers prayed previous because there are answers that we get sometimes that are no. Listen, God's no answer to her biggest prayer was actually a launching of the arrow into the enemy's camp. And I love what she said. She said the suffering was worth it. So this morning, I want us, we're going to read, uh, we're going to read Romans chapter 8. Um, is there an iPad laying around somewhere? Nope. Is there, uh, I, I'm very ill-prepared. Hey, Brady, will you hand me that Bible right there? Nope, the other one, this one. We're going to read it out of the Amplified. So if you have your app, if you have your app on your phone, you can, uh, you can follow along or we'll have it up on the screen. Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 24. For in this hope we were saved, but hope, the object of which is seen, is not hope. For how can one hope for what he already sees? But if we hope for what is still unseen by us, we wait for it with patience and composure. So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness. We do not know what to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit Himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads on our behalf in unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And He who searches the hearts of Men knows what is in the mind of the Holy uh, knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit, what His intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints, according to and in harmony with God's will. And I want you to look right here in verse 28. This is one of the verses that carried me through those dark times. That's this is that's the reality of it. This I, I've told people this. This is the unseen string that you hang on to when there's nothing to hang on to. That's the reality of it. it. It's an invisible string that you hang on to when there is absolutely nothing in your life to hang on to. It says, For we are assured and we know that God, being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to those for who... <coughs> to, uh, for good to those and for those who love God and are called according to His design and purpose. And so we have as a promise to us that whatever is going on in our life, it is, a, it is an outworking of God's goodness. And if we're not careful, we can, you know, we can stand up here and say, He's a good, good Father. And I want you guys to hear me for just a minute. We can say here and say, He's a good, good Father. If we're not careful, we're processing that through a natural, through a natural uh, 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 appraisal. 
He's a good father because all my bills are paid and my checkbook's fat and all of that stuff. And, and, and he wants to bless you in every aspect of your life. But that's not why he's a good father. He's a good father because in his sovereignty, listen, his sovereignty, you have to know that he is always working for you. And while you may not see it, he is. And that is the foundation of our faith. That it releases us to believe God for the extravagant. Because there are going to be times when you're not going to see the extravagant on the front end. Listen, Corey Ten Boom did not see the extravagant when she was herded into a boxcar like cattle for three days and sent to a death camp. That didn't look very extravagant, did it? But I want to tell you, and, and I want you to hear me. If you don't have a foundation of God's sovereignty, you won't move forward in those times. You just won't. We know that all things work together for good. This print is really tiny in this Bible. I need something. <laughs> Verse 4 new. This mic is cutting out really bad. Can you hear that? I can go back to this one. What happened? Man, alive. That's much better. The enemy just does not want this message to come out. Thank you. We don't live under his, his say. Verse 29, it says, For those whom He foreknew, of whom He was aware and He loved beforehand, He also destined from the beginning, foreordaining them to be molded into the image of His Son. So what's His plan for your life? He's molding you into the image of His Son. And I can promise you, that's your good. Man. That's your good. Whatever heat, whatever pressure, whatever cutting away, whatever is going on in your life that He is using to mold you into His image, that's for your good. You may not be able to see it through natural eyes. You remember, faith is the radar that sees through the fog. You've you, you got to understand who the woman was who was saying that. She saw a hundred thousand other of her fellow women put in gas chambers and firing lines, viciously killed. And she says, listen, you got to have faith to see through the fog of the natural because it will misrepresent things. It will lie to you. The natural will lie to you. But He has destined us to be molded into the image of His Son and share inwardly His likeness that He might become the firstborn among many brethren and then um, it says, And those whom He foreknew, those who He uh, foreordained, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified, acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with Himself. And those whom He justified, He also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. And then I want you to look in verse 31. He says, And what shall we say to all of this? Listen. What shall we say to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
I want to tell you that if you really want to move into the extravagant of God, that's it. The extravagant of God is to be able to go to the pit of hell and declare God's goodness. Any, listen, anybody can stand in heaven and praise God. But if you really want the extravagant, you've got to be able to go to the pit and bring the kingdom. Amen. None of us want to go to the pit. Listen, Corey didn't want to go to the pit. Her prayer, her one prayer, if you read this book and you, you see beforehand, her one prayer is she begged God, don't send me to Germany. Please don't send me to Germany. Well, what did God do? He sent her to Germany. You see, I want you to, you're going to reprocess extravagant today. Because extravagant was, Corey, I'm going before you to Germany. Corey, I'm going before you to Germany. And I'm going to make a way where there is no way. And you're going to be able to keep that Bible that you have strung on your back that you got in, in the Holland prison. You're going to be able to keep that. And you're going to use that. And it's going to be a weapon. And many lives are going to be saved because of you. I love it if you keep going. Can you, will you guys give me just another minute or two? I'm sorry, I haven't preached in two weeks, okay? Uh, if you keep reading and you go into the next chapter, her sister died. She, she literally watched her sister die in this camp. And then a week after that, they, they come, they're, they're called to, uh, to order, to, to, to roll call, and she is called out. She is called out. Her number is called out and she's set aside and um, she thinks it because they're going to kill her. And so they call out another young lady. I can't remember her name, Tiny or something like that. Tiny. Uh, it's Tiny. And so Tiny comes up and they put her in place next to Corey. And this is what she's thinking. And I wish we had time to read it, but we don't. And, and I won't do it justice. But she's sitting there having this exchange with the Lord. And she's like, she asked Tiny, she said, why do you think we're here? Tiny said, oh, they're going to kill us. We're going to die. And so Corey starts having this exchange, and she's like, Lord, don't let it be. She starts telling the Lord, please don't let them kill me with the gas chamber. Just let it be the firing squad, because that's a quick, easy way to die, and then I'll be with you. But then she says, she goes on and she says, but Lord, this is my last chance to get someone saved. And so she starts witnessing to Tiny and gets Tiny saved in line, thinking she's in line, waiting to go to the gas chamber and die. Guys, that's extravagant. Come on, please push into this with me today. Please push into this with me today. Because if you're going to be the select arrow, listen, we can talk about these scriptures all day long and how glorious they look, but when God sends you on your assignment and it's not glorious and beautiful, what are you going to do? Will you stand and rise and bring the kingdom when, when you're in the midst of hell? When you're in line and you think they're fixing to send you to the gas chamber and you're fixing to die, will your thought be, can I get this person saved next to me? Amen. Guys, that's extravagant. That is beyond extravagant. It's incredible. It's the crazy place where they hope. Why were they hoping? Why was Barracks 21 the crazy place where they hope? Because God planted a seed of hope. It was in a woman's heart. It didn't just spring up randomly. It didn't just bloom all of a sudden. It was there. No, she carried it in there with her. Are you a carrier of hope today? Do you believe that He's able, that He's more than able? And no matter what He sends you into, listen, what will we say to these things? This is good stuff.
So this is, and this is what Paul is saying. I, I, I just realized that I've, I've missed a verse. Okay. Bear with me. This is good, I promise you. No, we didn't miss it yet. Okay, we didn't miss it yet. Yeah, that's good. Now I just have to figure out where I'm at. 30. And uh, 31. It says, What shall we say to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? And look at verse 32. He says, He who did not withhold or spare even his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? So there is a foundation of thought here in the believer's life that God wants to give you all things freely and graciously. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to bless you. It says if Jesus, if He sent His Son to die on the cross for you, won't He give you everything through Him? Amen. That He gives you everything freely and graciously. That's extravagance. You, you guys need to believe God for extravagance in your life. This isn't a name it and claim it gospel. Listen, this is, a, this is what Jesus did gospel. This is His word. I'm, this isn't my philosophy. Let's read it again. We've got to get this. We've got to get this. Verse 32. He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? You have to believe that God wants to bless you. You have to believe that. But if you don't have a foundation of His sovereignty, you will misinterpret the blessings and you will blame God and you'll get bitter at God because the blessings didn't come packaged the way you wanted them. Come on. Who is there to condemn us? So who's this for? I like this. It's kind of this random thought. Paul's talking about all this stuff. He says, but who is there to condemn Listen, you can sit here all day long and talk about why you're not qualified to graciously receive the blessings of God. When did it become about you? If you're a believer, it is not about you. It's not about what you do. It's about what He did. I mean, you follow me right there. Who condemns us? He says, what? He says, who is there to condemn you? Christ Jesus, who died, or rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, actually pleading as He intercedes for us. He's saying, the Lord, He says, Jesus isn't condemning you today. He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. And that's a powerful thought, that if you, if you realize that today, the very Son of God is interceding for you. Paul says, He's not condemning you. I'm pretty sure if He ain't condemning us, we're good. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Quit worrying about what everybody else thinks. And worry about what he thinks. Verse 35, I want you to look at this. Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction or tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword 
Even as it is written, for thy sake we are put to death all day long. We are regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, look at all this. Yet amid all these things, some of us are going to experience some of those things. I don't want them. I don't want those things in my life. I'm going to be just like Corey. Lord, please don't send me down that road. But guess what if he does? I'm more than a conqueror. Guess what if he does? Guess what? No matter what comes, peril, sword, dismay, it doesn't matter. That's what Paul's saying. He says, yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through Him who loved us. Guys, that's extravagant. That's extravagant. Don't be afraid of the sovereignty of God. Don't be afraid of it. Sometimes, <clears throat> well, let's keep reading and then I'm going to conclude right here. It says, I am persuaded beyond doubt. And I want to know today, are you persuaded beyond doubt that in His Lordship, that in His sovereignty, He loves you? Amen. And there is no faltering in that. Listen, there's a lot of things that I could look back in, in my life and say, Lord, I, that doesn't look like you were loving me. For 20 years, in the back of my mind, I've, I've asked the Lord, what did I do wrong? Where did I fail? Where was I not strong enough? Hey, I'm just like you. You just don't always know it. I have questions. But I want you to know that I believe He loves me. And I believe that He's always working for good. And I will tell you this, don't ask a question that you don't want an answer to. Amen. 20 years later, I told my wife, I felt like the Lord gave me the answer to that question this week on vacation. The really cool thing is it was nothing to do with me. But I felt like the Lord gave me an answer. It satisfied me. I'm the only one that matters, right? It says, I'm persuaded beyond a doubt and today I would tell you guys that I am persuaded beyond a doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things impending and threatening or things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. Guys, that's extravagant. Every, every day of your life, listen, Every day of your life, you need to wake up with the expectation that He wants to freely and graciously give you everything. Amen. Every day of your life, you need to wake up with the with the anticipation that you're His kid and He loves you and He wants to bless you. That He has good for you. But underneath it all, when He puts you in the mold to conform you to His image, and it doesn't feel like you want it to feel, or it doesn't look like you want it to look, you need to be able to put your eyes to heaven and say, God, I know you're a good, good father. Yeah. I yeah. know that there is nothing, 
There is nothing that can separate me from your love. And that you're working here. There, you're working here. Thanks for listening to this awesome message recorded live at Redemption Church here in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information on our church, directions, service times, or other latest happenings, visit our website, crossvilleredemptionchurch.com. Thank you.